once you greeted someone, you may be seated. Good to see everyone today. Amen. Making any plans? It's the title of the unction today. Making any plans? Question mark. I mean, I have an extra uh, level of appreciation for you after Daddy talked to me this week. Amen. Um, temptation comes in all kind of colors and varieties and types and types and shapes. And has anybody been tempted lately? Amen. And there are big temptations and little temptations, depending on how you look through your particular lens. Amen? That being said, we, we, we all have the idea of big sins and little sins, and, you know, this is not as bad as that, and this is better than that, and amen. So the tempter comes, and uh, he wants us to justify some of the things that we let into our heart, we know it's not helping us sleep at night. It's not bringing any joy to our life. It's, does anybody like living with frustration, anxiety, fear, doubt, unbelief? And, I mean, you, you feel like you're less than who God says you. Anybody like living like that? Well, the enemy's job is to make you feel less than who God says you are. And so he knows that his duty is to come in such a way to uh, belittle you without you even knowing it. It's him. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. A thief does not want you to know that they're there. They want to take what you value and take it from you without you knowing it has been taken from you. And God came in flesh. Matter of fact, in John chapter one, it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everybody agree? The Word is God. Amen. And so that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we, we because of His mercy and grace through experience, we get to know Him. Or rather, He allows us the grace to know Him. Our, and and as we submit to him, he knows who we are. Amen. And he reveals that to us. And so in the process, every day we awake, the temptation to make plans without God in them is real. Amen. You might, you might feel bad today. So uh, I don't feel like God's looking at me, so I'm going to do some things and I'm going to make some plans without God. Anybody ever done that before? Amen. I just feel a certain way, and I and I and I think that God thinks this about me, and I, so I doubt my value, and therefore I begin to make plans without God. And I'd like to say it like this: I told the life changer that I said intelligence is overrated without God. You don't want intelligence without God. You would rather have intelligence with God. Because with God, all things are possible. But without him, no matter how much intelligence you got, you're in trouble. Would that be true? 
So you can gather information and you can, you can, you can, you can be an encyclopedia and walking around and quoting everything in, in the world. And at the end of the day, if you don't have the source of life, you don't have anything. Just a dead man or woman walking. Amen. So again, I want to ask you the question, planning anything? You making any plans? And since without God we can do nothing, let me, let me, Job, Elihu says it this way. He states it in Job 36, 26. He said, Behold, God is great, and we do not know him, nor can the number of his years be discovered. We do not know him. He's past finding out. Our daddy is awesome, right? Galatians 4 and 8 Paul tells the believers, he says, formerly when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, and then he kind of like stops right there. We got to get this right. Or rather are known by God. <laughs> the idea that I can know God is impossible without God being in the mix every moment of every second of every day, every breath I breathe. I move, I have my being, I exist in him. In eternity, I will be getting revelation after revelation after revelation of how big God is. And, and every time he reveals more of himself to me, I just wowed. And I can't stop saying about my father, holy, holy, holy. Man, in his presence is fullness. There's fullness. There's f Anybody want to be full, amen, complete, amen, completely filled up with joy, peace that passeth understanding. Anybody want that? And the Lord has purposed that for all of us here. He has good thoughts about everyone here. He don't think any evil towards anybody. Amen. So I asked the question, how can I say I know God and worry at the same time? How can I say I know God and be distracted and make plans for my life that only produces dis despair, defeat, death? And we all know about that fruit, don't we? Our plans are only revealed, amen, by the world we live in. If we make those plans without God, the fruit will show up. And so the common denominator today, amen, will be like it always is at New Life Fellowship. This is that which the prophet spoke in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. The common denominator is presence, connection between heaven and earth and God chose you as his point of focus the object of his affection the apple of his eye he chose you to be the means by which he brings heaven to earth amen and the kingdom is manifest you you and the enemy's goal is to block your faith in the fact that you're that powerful from heaven's lens. Would that be true? 
And so it will always be about presence at New Life Fellowship and you and I leaving from here today from this building, but not leaving the presence of God hosting him wherever we go in all of our relationships, especially as married couples, since the covenant from heaven's lens is top tier. Amen? Top tier. Don't forget that. Jesus came and made a covenant, a blood covenant. And our marriage covenants are signaling that identical replication. And the enemy wants to destroy the covenant of relationship. He ain't stopping. And he's got all kind of reasons. And he comes as the tempter. Amen. And he brings his Bible studies with him. And all the support we can get by justifying doing anything outside of Christ. Is that real? That is real, ladies and gentlemen. Are you making plans? The question is, are you making your plans with God or without God? What plans are you making today? Uh, This is not a hellfire and brimstone message, by the way. This is me being honest with you about a guy in a mirror that I have to deal with every day, keep the old man down. We want to keep him in the grave, amen, buried so that the true son huh, can come forth and Jesus can have, amen, his offspring. So Jesus comes, God in flesh, 2,000 years ago, takes a slave girl in slave clothes, And by way of his blood and his love, (laughs) he delivers her from slavery and makes her his bride. Takes that old identity off of her that she was wearing and gives her his righteousness, his identity, through his blood in his name. Wow. Why? Because he wants some children. He wants his heritage. He wants his glory. He wants sonship to manifest. The creation that we know it as today is on its tiptoes looking for the manifestation of the sons of God. And and, and Jesus wants to know is his bride committed to him in covenant so that he can place his seed in her womb and sons can come forth. So I ask you today, are you making plans? What plans are you making? Where's those plans coming from? Amen. And again, the common denominator will always be the Holy Spirit and fire. This is that which was spoken by the prophet during the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on some flesh. Anybody wearing flesh today? It acts up sometimes. And God chose to place his spirit up on you and I who are flawed. We need help. We can't do anything without him. And the choice we make is the most intelligent thing we can do is to choose him and to acknowledge my feebleness, my my inability apart from him being my source. There's something to be said 
about anyone, amen, that decides today with God, amen, I'm going to have some fun, amen. I can't tell you how, but I know I'm with him, and he don't ever have a day that's bad. But without him, without him, I worry, I fret, I get frustrated. And in that frustration with all that worry, I start making plans apart from him because I, I plan with fear in mind. I plan with frustration. I may not have enough, amen, to be able to accomplish this objective. And so, amen, everything I do is out of worry. And Jesus makes it clear, why would you worry? He makes it clear, why would you worry when you could have all of the kingdom that I provided for you just by asking, seeking, and having fellowship? All he's saying is, focus on presence. In his presence. That's kind of spooky there, isn't it? <laughs> Amen. Well, okay. If you if you still got hadn't got over the idea that God is spirit, Amen. He's a gentleman. Remember this. Some of you need to hear this. He does not force himself on nobody. God will not force himself into my life. He only comes by way of permission. He'll knock on the door, but he will not walk, walk through that door unless I open it and invite him in. When I invite him in, he'll come sit down with me, amen, at, his, at the table inside of me and fellowship with me and commune with me and help me make good plans, amen? God plans. So in Psalms 37 and 6, a theme passage, it says, give God the right to direct your life. Give God the right. Make the choice. Give him the right to direct your life. Quit worrying about life. Let him take lead. Get out from behind the wheel and let him take over and drive. Be a passenger and join with him on where he wants to take you. And as you trust him along the way, you'll find that he pulls it off perfectly. Anything he plans for me and you, it comes out at the end, not just 30, 60, but 100-fold in return. It's the best life to live. And so I ask you again, are you making any plans? Are you making any plans? Amen. I want to read another passage so that we can get some good examples here today about the guy in the mirror and a few other Bible characters. But in the book of Revelation, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 3, Jesus addresses the first church after his resurrection. This is the first church he addresses after his resurrection in a vision to John, the church of Ephesus. And notice what he says about the church of Ephesus. He says in verse 3, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. That's awesome, isn't it? That's awesome. Wow. All those wonderful things that he can say about his church of Ephesus. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Now, I'm just going to tell you based on personal evaluation that if you're persevering, you have patience, you labor for his namesake, and you're not wearied, you're saved. You're all, everything's good. 
Is this okay? Are you making any plans? Nevertheless, you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. Oh, just for for you that may be confused on that, in the old tabernacle, you wanted to be in the holies of holies. If you could get that, that's where you want to be. And today you can be that. That's where Jesus rent the veil through his death so that you and I could step into the throne room of our daddy, the king. Ain't that awesome? Did you know the only way you could get into the holy place prior to the, ah, the intimacy of being in the holies of holies? is you had to do some things on the outer court. Two things that you and I would do if we was to walk into the holy place in the tabernacle. First thing we would do, we would approach after the, after the priest had inspected our sacrifice. In other words, you can't even approach the altar of sacrifice unless you bring your whole heart, all of it, the best you've got, the best sacrifice you've got, all of it. And that was inspected. And so an attitude of gratitude was necessary to enter through the gates of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. I've got hope. I've got hope. I've heard a good news message. I've got hope. I'm bringing everything. And I'm going to leave it at the altar of sacrifice. That's where you repent. Altar of sacrifice is repentance. But don't stop there. You got one other thing you, that, that he asked us to do. We repent and we go down in the, the brazen lava where blood and water mixed. And when the priest got through offering the sacrifice, which is a type of Christ, amen, they washed their hands in the brazen lava. That's where the washing takes place. That's where baptism takes place. Our part is to repent and be baptized. He tells the first church, he said, go back and do your first works. Unless you repent, amen. In pastoring, do y'all believe that sometimes I have meetings with people that have a conscience that's beating them up? Did y'all know a clear conscience is important to daddy for you? It's important to us too, isn't it? It's like, man, I need a clear conscience. The Lord appropriated that for you, and he, he appropriates that for you and I through covenant. And if I've fallen, if I've fallen, in other words, I left my first love, and, I've, and somehow, somewhere, I got tempted by the tempter to start making some decisions that I shouldn't be making without God. Well, I don't feel like he loves me. I feel like he's a million miles away. And next thing you know, and so I can't just hang out, just stand around. I got to do something. And so you start doing something without God. And it produces fruit. And the next thing you know, your conscience is body slamming you. He tells the first church, go back and do your first works. Or else I will take the candlestick and remove it from its place if you don't do it. Now, I'm going to digress again. They persevered. They were patient, right? They didn't get weary. They'd done everything, amen, to honor his name, yet they were in trouble of losing their place in the holy place. 
They were in trouble of their light being snuffed out. Amen. And Jesus wasn't doing that, by the way. Jesus don't do that. We do that. Amen. And so I, I, I encourage you again today. Let me say it again. Give God the right to direct your path. Choose today that you're not going to be in charge of your path no longer. Your religious influences, they have little hold on you because today you're in covenant with the one who died for you. Amen. It's all about him. And I'm going to repent. By the way, I repent daily because I got to deal with a guy in the mirror that wants to come out of that grave. And I'm not talking about this body. I'm talking about the carnal side. That without God, I'll stay carnal. Without God, I'll be tempted, amen, to make decisions and plans without God. I've never done that before. I'll go talk to my wife. She'll, she, she'll give you all kind of times. And nobody makes plans without God with ill intent. All of us have lots of good intentions. All of us. It's just most of them ain't God intentions. And the enemy loves that about us measuring good and evil. He loves it. Amen. He knows we're a sucker for it because we like to be in charge. Anybody like to be in charge? I want to control my life. This culture's got us, don't it? And as long as I'm in control of me and I'm in charge of my life, I'm not good for me. Has anybody found out you're not good for yourself? That you need some help? That's why we gather together and we, we group and we encourage one another and provoke one another to good works. We're not trying to be good people. We're just trying to yoke up with a good God so that after he gets through with us, we can be like him. And we'll never take any credit for being good. Amen. So we'll all in unison say, look what the Lord has done, right? So are you making any plans today? Amen. Quickly, just to give you an idea of some things that God does when we plan without him. Then we're going to talk about what, why we plan without God for a moment. But here's, here's some things that God does when we plan without him. What we can expect from the love of God when we plan without him. Number one, he will upset our plans. God will upset the plans you make without him. It's really not him upsetting and more than it's us. We make bad decisions that exclude him. We set ourselves up for bad fruit, not God. He just takes advantage of it. Amen. When we plan without him to be there. It's kind of like David says, oh, I planned without God today and I made my bed in hell. Look, wherever God, if, if I go up to heaven, I choose God, and I connect with God, and I just walk in peace and joy, that's where he's at. But if I choose not to walk with God, I can actually plan today without God and go, and I have a bad day. I got heartburn. I need Rolaids. I mean, I need to see a doctor. I mean, I'm fretting. I'm frustrated. I'm depressed. And the Lord says, I'm there too. You just should have made your plans with me. Because he does not plan for you ever to have a bad day. 
That's not in his way of thinking. He knows that we're going to have plenty of bad days because we got to get over being in charge. We've got to get over this idea that, amen, that I, I got it today, Lord. I'm going to give you a break. You take, you get in your recline and relax. I can cover today. <laughs> right? Don't want to work God too hard because I got a lot of plans. <laughs> Not only will he upset our plans because he loves us, he never plans with evil in mind. Jeremiah said, it's for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and hope. That's his plan for you today. Matter of fact, God who is love thinks no evil. It's never in his plan. But you are, and we'll let evil come and hang out, and he'll work with it. But he don't plan with it. Anybody do budgets? Anybody plan for a rainy day? Did y'all know our daddy doesn't plan for a rainy day? Uh-oh, Dave Ramsey's going to have to call me now. And y'all, I'm a, I'm a guy that loves plans of actions, protocols, and uh, give me a list. And every time I check something off, I get dopamine. It's like, oh, that's awesome. And so... Logically, it sounds so right to plan for a rainy day because rainy days come, but only rainy days come when we plan without. You know the one thing that pleases God? Faith. Can't hardly say it. Faith. I can say it. Faith. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. So what's God saying? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing, if you don't have a spiritual ear that's been developed, you're in trouble. And the enemy knows that. He wants to keep you and I from our inner ear in the spirit developing. So God mercifully pulls us out of darkness into marvelous light and puts us in a place where we experience being under tutors and guardians. Remember, talked about that last week, just quickly. And those tutors and guardians are not there to exercise authority over anybody. They're there to be transparent and show you where they learned their lessons, and you get to see how they grew up. And if you don't want to suffer the scars they have, you can come under that, yielding to that reality. I think I'm going to try it your way after you got your scar, not before. And so tutors and guardians are there for each one of us to grow in the grace of God. And at the time appointed, we can step out and be sons. But until then, we're children that's under these guardians and tutors. No different than a slave. Yet we're heirs of the kingdom. How many people that God has put in your path needs to see the scars in your life. How many people that God has placed in your path that you might have heartburn over right now, but if we, but if we let God order our steps and we make our plans with God leading, we get over the heartburn. People hurt your feelings, won't they? 
And so how many need to see transparency, honesty? How did you get out of the ditch? But it's easy to get so drunk on myself and be so self-centered and self-willed and full of selfishness, which is the evidence of the other gods said, you will either serve Jesus or you will serve mammon. Covetousness, greed. Amen? Anybody got any evidence of that? How many Christians are battling with greed, owning things, sex, the list goes on. That's the evidence of mammon in one's life. And when you're driven by that, you can't focus on what God's focused on. You're distracted. And you're worshiping mammon is the reason that drive is there. I want more money. I want more relationships outside of God relationship. I want to own things. I want to be in charge. Mammon is the God. Anybody ever been influenced by mammon? Everybody raise your hand. Don't do it, but you can. Everybody in this room can raise your hand. And he's not cool. He's, un he's uncool big time. But he's causing all the problems to a degree. We can't blame it all on him because we keep choosing him over God. Well, if God loves me, he'll give me a bigger house. If God cares about me, he'll give me a better spouse. Because I'm not okay and it's their fault and they need to change so I can have a better day. Are you making any plans? It's real, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? And so God will upset our plans and he never plans with evil in mind. He loves us. He's passionate about us. And he won't quit reaching for us. But thirdly, he'll give peace, amen, in place of worry to us. He will stay with us and be long-suffering, and he won't quit. He'll keep reaching for us until we let him give us what we truly need. But what would be some evidence that I'm making plans without God? And, of course, we've already talked about it. Worry is number one. That's the, that's the number one thing. Why worry, amen, when I can, I can add nothing to my own life? Why worry? That's what Jesus said. Why are you worrying when you can't add a thing to your life? I can give you everything if you'll just come to me and walk with me. It's all yours and in abundance. But when you're walking with him, you don't really care about it. You don't really want it. It's not, I don't need it. I just need him. It's amazing how he can turn your heart to focus on the right thing. But if you're here today and you say you believe in Jesus and you're still <laughs> wanting more money, you still want more charge of things in this world? You want more relationships out of godliness that's not godly? Then you know the enemy has hold of your heart, not Jesus. It's called the other Jesus Paul talked about to the Corinthians. That's the thing that he, he feared for them was their attraction to a spirit called mammon that comes in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
So developing our ear is top tier. He or she that hath an ear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And that being said, I want to give you two quick examples in Scripture, one being David and another being Jephthah, a judge. Jephthah was a judge before David was a king of Israel. And just to quickly give you the oversight, you can read it there in Scripture. Jephthah didn't do what David did. When David was anointed king, the enemy found out he's been anointed. I'm going to just tell you, when God anoints you with his spirit and fire, the enemy knows about it. And he don't like it, and he's coming after you double force. When you get spirit-filled and led by the spirit, he ain't stopping because he knows that if I can ever convert one of them, I got the most powerful tool in my hand. It's someone that's been born again that turns their back on him. A sorcerer, a witch can't compete. Y'all tracking? And so David, when he hears that Philistines, and by the way, David had been in cahoots with the Philistines prior to his king. He run with them. Kind of like we run with the world. Man, they were drinking buddies. They were boy, he done all kind of stuff with them. And God had, so that's my guy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use him one day. I'm there's an anointing on him, and he's out there, he's a terrorist. With the Philistines. Go read your Bible. And the Philistines hear that the guy that they used to run with, that worked for them and doing their dirty work, he's now been anointed king of Israel, and they're upset about it. So the enemy don't like it when when you get in covenant with Jesus. And David goes down to the stronghold, and instead of going and making plans without God, he says, now what we're going to do, we're going to ask God what he thinks about how we should do this. And that's what David did. He got down on his face and he entreated the Lord. And the Lord says, go, because I put them in your hands, David. And he heard it. And the enemy was beat up because David was in covenant with God, and he made plans with God in mind. But we have a judge of Israel, Jephthah, that uh, had to go to battle. And it became obvious that he was kind of concerned about the battle. And so instead of asking God, what should I do? (laughs) Jephthah says, Lord, If you will put the enemy in my hand, when I get back from this battle, I will sacrifice the first one that welcomes me. And he he goes to battle, and he takes the enemy out fast. It wasn't even a problem. And he was rejoicing over the fact that he won and that God's on our side. But as he came home, the first one to meet him was his daughter, his only child. And he smote his breast, amen, his chest, and he began to say, you have brought much trouble to me this day, daughter. No, she didn't bring any trouble to you. You brought that on yourself. You made plans without God. Has anybody ever done that? You see, worry is real, and it'll make you do things for God 
that are not God. And so the second thing that we do that gets us in trouble is we get all these good intentions in place that are not God intentions because we're worried. And we haven't even entreated him, but we've decided what good equals. Anybody ever decided what's good equals? And that's what you go do. Once you come up with whatever it is you believe is good, you, you dive off into it as though you're working for God. Anybody ever done that? I'm just telling you right now, God wants to do something in this group for this community. He wants this group to get an ear that hears what the Spirit is saying. And the only thing that you say is what you hear. The only thing you do is what you see in the Spirit. Come on, the common denominator, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I'm going to pour out my Spirit on all flesh. That means he wants in charge. And the greatest in intelligence I can have in my life is choosing to let Jesus direct my path. You have brought much trouble on me, daughter. I'm going to ask you a question. Have we in our faith, our idea of what faith looks like? Pastor, you're really getting right down to where the rubber meets the road today. Have we? Have we? sacrifice the next generation because we refuse to listen to what God's saying? And instead we engage in all kind of good things for God? And I've talked to several parents. And I've heard them say, what is the next generation? They bring a lot of trouble up on me. No, it wasn't them. No, it wasn't them. Can I be real with you? I am. I'm going to be real anyway. I'm going to try to stay where they ain't got to run me down on the camera. The Lord spoke to me just a couple of weeks ago. He says, son, he said, there is no parents that have been successful in their parenting. They've been good parents based on their idea of what parenting looked like. He said, I've let you and your wife be grandparents, giving you a second chance. Because we did what our children are doing to us. Our children found every flaw and everything that was wrong about how we parented, and they noted that so that they wouldn't do that as parents. And they measured what good parenting looks like based on where we failed. Just, just say it. And every one of us went into parenting planning to be good parents, and the majority of us did it without God being the source. Does children do interesting things? And you, you and I both say as parents, we didn't teach, we didn't teach them that. And you can hear God if you got an ear to hear. Say, yeah, you did. You were just as rebellious. Yeah, and you parented without me. You just used me as your prop. You kept using my name, and I wasn't, okay, if that's what you want to do, okay. And that's one of the things we do. We worry, and then we start doing good, good things instead of God things. And then thirdly, amen. This, this positional preference. Well, 
I'm an attorney or I'm a, I have this position or I have this position at church as a leader. And the next thing, because we're positional in the way we see ourselves, then, hey, I got it figured out. If I say it, God's behind it. Okay. Let me know that, how that works out for you. It don't work out good. God is not moved by our position as we relate it in his authority. He wants our position to be broken, humble, contrite, submitted. That way he can form himself in us and the son can come forth. But anybody that believes in Jesus and they're trying to exercise authority over anybody because, well, I'm the man of God, it don't work out well. That's not letting him order my steps. When I come in his place as a son, I come humbled. I come broken. Come on, the greatest leaders will get on the floor and wash your feet. Amen? The greatest leaders are those that shoulder the next person up and rejoices with them because they're achieving more than they're achieving. Is y'all catching this? That's Christ. And that's how we're in his name. I'm talking to some of us today about the fact that are you planning anything? And how are you making those plans? I remember when I was 12 years old. You know, I heard some preaching on hell when I was 12. I heard some preaching up till I was 20 that you could feel the flames. When I was 12 years old, I felt the flames. And you know what? I needed Jesus, and I wanted Jesus to be involved in my life because I didn't want to go to hell. Has anybody ever felt like that before? And you know the Lord will work with it. He'll work with that. But needing Jesus is about not going to hell, and nobody wants to go to hell. You know, by the way, most everybody in this room has been to hell already. Yeah, most of you have experienced the kingdom of hell. It's opposite of the kingdom of God that's present. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Spirit is the kingdom of God. And it's within you, right? That's what Jesus said. Can he lie? No, he can't lie. And since the kingdom of God is present with us, are we taking advantage of it? And if you're not, that means you're taking advantage of another kingdom. And you, you deal with despair, depression, anxiety, hate, offense, the list goes on. That's called the kingdom of hell, y'all. And that's darkness. That's not light. And if you stay in that kingdom, worshiping the king of that kingdom, you get to go with him to his final resting place. You don't want to do that, right? We want to hang out with the one that says, come sit with me in my throne. And let me show you how I can make your enemy your footstool. Everybody's talking about Jesus there. Yep, yep. And when you're baptized into Christ, you're part of his body, members of his body, powerful sons and daughters because we make our plans with him in mind. Amen. Jephthah, wow. No ill intent. There wasn't an ounce of ill intent. 
He just went to battle without entreating God. Anybody been going to battle without entreating God? Well, I got to get this right and I got to get that right. And you don't even check out with God first. You know that when the the disciples come back with Jesus in the evening time, they notice something about him. It's every time you go out early in the morning, great while before daybreak, and you come back, cities are turned right side up. I mean, that's the way I interpret what they're saying. And we want to know, apparently we don't know how to pray. Would you teach us? Glad you asked. And the Lord gives them the answer of how to enter in to covenant and include God in the plan. And when you look at this beautiful thing that we can do every day when you get up to deal with the person in the mirror that's giving you all kind of trouble because it's in allegiance with mammon. Our Father, which is in heaven, how great is your name. What name is that? The name that's above every name. Jesus said, I come in my Father's name and I send the Holy Spirit in my name. something to be said about our approach to him Jesus you can say it it's like oh you can feel it when you say it from here ah yeah you might want to start saying his name where you're sitting ah you'll feel it the kingdom that's within you is wanting its king to have dominance and lordship in his house Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth. This is earth and vessel. This is it as it is. And he wants heaven to come and have fellowship with him right here in this earth and vessel so that from this earth and vessel the kingdom can manifest with his sonship. Who was the bread that came down from heaven? Jesus. Give us this day our daily bread. It's not about talking about food on the table. He's already made that provision for you because he wants you to have that and everything. He wants us to seek him first. What's he, what's he saying? We need to have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying. That's the bread that came down. He that hath an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying. Whew. Oh, you got some bread now. It's hot bread, too. And if you start agreeing with it, anything can happen. And by the way, he'll take care of bread for you on the table. But that's not what he's after. He just takes care of his kids. Forgive us. Forgive us. That's a plural prayer. That's not a singular prayer, by the way. Lord, forgive me. The whole prayer is us. Give us. <laughs> yeah. Forgive us. I'm praying on behalf of the body of Christ, y'all. I'm a member of that body that used to be a slave girl that he delivered, amen, and chose to be the object of his affection, his lover, so he could place his seed in her and have sons. Are y'all tracking? Are y'all making any plans today? Lead us 
not into temptation. What temptation? To be in charge. What temptation? To plan without Jesus. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Why is it so important that I put mammon under my feet? Why do I put the enemy under my feet? For thine is the kingdom, Lord, and the power and the glory forever and ever. And he's teaching his boys how to pray. And what he's actually teaching them how to do is find out who you are in me. I called you by my name. I chose you. This is how cities are being turned right side up. It's because I'm making plans today with God in mind. And when you plan with God in mind, the kingdom is able, the creation is on its tiptoes looking for the manifestation of the sons of God. And you right now are so close to being everything that God has purposed for you to be because his presence is in the room. He can make everything that's not right. He can flip it right now in a moment of time. What moment of time? Where you decide I'm not making another plan without him. I'm going to do what the Lord said to a church that persevered, was faithful. They, they, they honored the name and they were not weary yet they left their first love and most of the Christians I know they ain't lived up to those other four and I'm not saying that derogatory I know the guy in the mirror most Christians I know are wore out right now this group wasn't they wasn't weary most Christians I know they have worked their spiritual fingers to the bone trying to earn God's affirmation approval trying to be good enough that just by chance God will let me in and that's a lie from the enemy that's not how he does it he's a good father and a good father gives a good gift what is that gift that he gives the Holy Spirit when you ask the comforter what's he talking about he's talking about his spirit in you God in you Christ in you the hope of glory what's the glory sonship powerful that's who you are but if you're making plans without him in charge he'll work with it and he's long suffering and he'll let you go month after month year after year he'll go as far as you turning 100 years old or more if you can make it that far reaching for you to let him in and take over. I'm 61. Why do I want to wait another day? I, don't, I got plenty of days that I'm provoked right now. We ain't got time to waste a breath on being in charge. He needs to be in. That's true intelligence, by the way. Can we stand? I believe that I'm looking at kings today like David.
brothers and sisters that are after the very heart of God. They will not do anything without God in mind. That's your purpose. That's your hunger. That's, your, that's, your, that's what you want. And the Lord knows you want it. But the common denominator will always be. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit. I will pour out my spirit. It's the spirit and the fire that empowers us to be witnesses. Well, that's too spooky. Well, let me, let me say it this way. How is it you can live with all the spooks you've been living with for so many years? Depression, desperate, down and out, anger, jealousy, hatred. How can you live with all those spooky spirits and not give the Holy Spirit, which isn't spooky, an opportunity to show up and show out? He's a gentleman. He loves you. Yes, yes, he wants to take over. He don't want you to be in charge. He wants to have every part of you in submission. Because when you go there, what you get in return is not compared. The past can't even come up to it. No, no. it's all under your feet. Does anybody want the best that daddy can do today? Are you making any plans? The Lord wants to give you a message of hope today. Quit making plans without him. Today, leave all those other plans, all those things as weights and sins that beset you, leave them at his feet and let him come to you. In his presence, there's fullness in spirit and in fire. You don't want to leave here today while being on fire. You want to be on fire. And, and, and it's okay if you come and say, Lord, get me on fire. I'm tired of church and playing church and religion and the things I've been. I'm, catch me on fire. He'll take it. He, he likes that kind of talk. He wants you to get seriously hungry and thirsty for him. That you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. I need you, Jesus. has got to be a cry that we're willing to give him. Is he worthy? Guests, thank you for being here today. If you need to leave, thank you. We are so grateful for you coming. And we pray that this will be a blessing to you. It's a gift. But for the next little bit, we're just going to get real with Daddy and get honest. And we're going to identify every plan we've made without him. And we're going to lay that down. And we're going to regroup with God being in charge. Anybody going to do that today? Amen. You got some plans you need to come lay down and get rid of? Amen. I invite you. Let the Lord give you a big hug from heaven today. God bless you.